Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Amen, amen. You can have a seat. Thank you, guys. Thank you, band. Don't go too far. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of, of murder. It saddens me. I'm saddened by all the hate. I'm tired of seeing senseless, senseless lives destroyed. I'm tired of all the killing. Uh, young, old, because of war, or even in the womb, I'm just, I'm tired of it all. I'm tired of it all. But what's the cause of it? It's, it's, not, the, it's not the gun, although it's personally difficult, and I don't need you to email me on this, but it is perfect, personally difficult for me to, to, to comprehend why certain weapons are, are easily to get or why certain people can, can attain weapons and how easy it is to get certain kinds. It's, it's difficult for me to comprehend and to see the, the purpose of that. Again, don't have to email me on that. It's okay. We can agree to disagree. But it's hard for me to, to understand some of that. But it's not the gun. It's not the, the missile. It's the human heart. Because someone said, if you take away the gun, it'll be a knife. If you take away the knife, it'll be a car. If you take away the car, right, it will be a rock. We have been killing, humanity has been killing since the days of Cain killed Abel. And murder is the fruit of a bad root. It's the, the human heart that's rooted in sin. It's like a genetic disorder that we are, are born with, which is why, by the way, Jesus said we must be born again. Must be born again for murder and hate to end. We don't need people to be made better. We need for people to be made new. Come on, somebody. Like, we need a new heart. And the only way to be made new, we believe, is there's one way, and that's through the gospel of Jesus. Because when a person understands their fault and understands their sin nature and our desperate need for, for Christ to save us, God doesn't simply change what they do. He changes why they do what they do. He changes the desire inside of us. And so I believe that's what we need. And until we address the heart, the killings are going to continue. Uh, we had to call an audible this week. I was, I was not planning on, on preaching this week, and in fact, my man Will was on deck, and he was going to bring an awesome word, and I'm sure he will one day, and we're going to get to that. I have no doubt. But how many of you know that when we face, it seems like, just tragic event after tragic event, that the, anything that we planned on doing or saying just seemed a little bit trivial and trite, that nothing really could, could answer some of the questions perhaps that we have, have in our mind. I don't know about you, but I've been feeling sick like emotionally and physically. I've just been struck with emotion. I just feel like all week it's just kind of just been right underneath the surface. And maybe you feel the same way that I feel. And so this is going to be today. This is, uh, again, we're kind of just flying a little bit. This is going to kind of be off, off the cuff, but I've, I've felt angry. I've felt sad. I felt like extreme thankfulness for my children and for my family. I've just gone through the gamut of emotions like many of you have. And again, it's asking the questions, how do I respond? What do I say? Is there something that can be, be said? Like why, why is this, this happening? After all, one of the most commonly quest, common questions asked about God is why do bad things happen? 
Why is there suffering? Some of you have asked that question. Some of you have asked that question this week as a result of what's happened. And if you've ever asked that or you're asking it now, I don't want you to feel bad or guilty or, or that you have somehow have a weaker faith than others because the truth is people have been asking that question for a long time. In fact, they've been asking that question since sin entered into the human existence. Abraham, he asked this, he said, should not the judge of the world judge fairly? When things weren't going the way that he thought they should go according to how he thought God should be responding, uh, Moses asked God, why don't you treat your people as they deserve? Why don't you just give them what they deserve? Jeremiah asked, why do the, the wicked prosper? David, if you just open up the psalm, you'll see him over and over again. He's crying out to God, God, where are you? God, why don't you come through? God, my enemies are at my door. Where are you? Why aren't you going to show up? God, I feel like you have abandoned me. Why don't you deliver me? God, this isn't fair. It's been asked through history, and we ask today why. Why have so many innocent children had, had to die? Why do these things happen? And, and those are fair questions. I want you to hear me. It's a fair question. It's a question we should ask of God. It's a question we should respond to from God's word as well. And here's what I do want to acknowledge today is that many of us have, have personal questions, questions of a personal nature. Why? God, why did my, my husband leave? Or God, why did my, my wife leave? Or God, all I wanted was to have a happy marriage and, and, and it blew up and it's not happier. Or God, why does my, my friend have to go through this sickness or this disease or this cancer? Or God, why did you allow that person abuse me at an early age? Why was that, that man taking advantage of you? Or God, why? We all have these questions even of a personal nature as, as to why. God, why can we not conceive a child? God, why was my child born with this rare condition? Or God, why am I laid off of work and I can't make ends meet and it doesn't seem like I can get ahead? God, why, why, why? Are you with me? We all ask these questions. God, why do bad things happen? And I need you to hear this today. It's okay to have questions and it's okay to have doubts. However, you should know your doubts don't have to drive you further away from God. They can actually drive you toward God. Your doubts don't, don't disqualify you from faith. I think it was T.D. Jakes who said, faith is a journey, not a destination. Are you with me? You need to write that down. You need to remember that it's a journey. So we all are going to have these moments where we doubt. We're all going to have these moments where we, we ask questions, but that should not disqualify you. In fact, it was Oswald Chambers who said this, doubt is not always a sign that man is wrong. It may just be a sign that man is thinking. He's actually just using his brain. So your doubts don't disqualify you. Don't disqualify your faith. Someone needs to hear that. That's been questioning God and questioning why and why the suffering and why do bad things happen. Your doubts don't disqualify your faith. And here's the lens I'm approaching this, this talk through just so you, you know. Here's what I believe about you. And here's why I believe you showed up to church or you showed up online and are watching, watching this is that you really do want to believe that God is good. I believe that. I believe you really, you, you, you want to believe that God is in control that God is sovereign, that he's good, but at the same time, come on, let's be honest, tragic events like this have a way of backing us into a corner and asking the questions, well, I guess God can't be good. 
I guess God can't be in control if this could happen. Or I guess, you know, if he was good, he'd do something about this. But because all this, this, these events are happening and people are, are, are killing one another and these massacres are happening, I feel like I'm forced to either say, I can't trust God or God doesn't exist. That might be where you are. And here's what I need to tell you today. I'm not going to give you three points and a poem and send you packing. All right? You need to know that. In fact, you might not walk out of these doors feeling any better. You might not walk out these doors thinking, oh, well, that's why God does what he does. Oh, well, that's why, you know, he operates the way that he operates. It makes sense. Thanks, thanks for that, PC. Let's go to lunch. I don't think you're going to leave here doing that because I'm not going to be able to clearly answer every question or every doubt or every concern that you have. There have been infinitely smarter people who have tried to do that for, for decades. So while I don't want you to, uh, to give you something to give your, get your hopes up, I do want to give us something to get our hope into, to put our hope into. Are you with me? I want to point you to Jesus. And I want to point you to the one who, the only one, by the way, who can or will one day answer all of our questions. My prayer is that as I do... He would reveal to us through his spirit the truth that God is absolutely in control, that he is sovereign, that he is good through and through. Just because he's, he's good does not mean, though, there won't be bad things happening. Um, somewhere along the way, I think we equated God being good, meaning that bad won't happen. I know I grew up singing that song, God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. He answers prayers. He answers prayers. He's so good, so good to me. And I think somewhere along the way, you know, we think that, well, if things are bad, God's not good. But that's not what his word teaches us. Uh, sometimes in church, though, or historically in the Bible, you'll see that the, you know, people will say, well, the reason something bad has happened is because there is some sin issue in your life. And until you get rid of that sin issue in your life, right, then that bad thing will continue to happen. Or they'll say, well, you're not praying enough or you're not praying for the, the right things. And what they're trying to say is that there is this completely unrelated thing that you're doing that's resulting in this totally unrelated punishment from God. And can I tell you something? We will not preach that trash here, just so you know. I don't believe that's how God, God operates so we're going to put that aside and address biblically why do bad things happen. And so what I'm going to give you today are three could-bes, maybes, and one definitely. Three, three could-bes, and just because you don't feel like these are true doesn't mean that they're not true. But three could-bes and one definitely, why do bad things happen? Here's number one. I want you to write this down. We are victims of a broken world. Plain and simple. We are the victims of a sin-stained, fallen world. When we read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we see that God created the world. He created everything in it. He kept saying that everything is good. He created Adam and Eve, but when they sinned against God and went against God's, God's word, the world was not as good as he originally intended for it to be. Because when sin entered into the, the equation, there also entered punishment. There also entered consequence into the equation. You understand, right, that God did not plan for it to be that way. That his original design was that he created this, this perfect world for us to, to live in. But when humans made their own decision and sinned against God, like he even tells us, ladies, like in, in God's word, because of our sin, now childbirth 
is going gonna, is gonna to be difficult. There's going to be pain associated with it. That's what he says. And I've heard that there's pain associated with it. I don't know if anybody can testify to that. But it wasn't meant to be that way. It was supposed to be, Adam, I think the baby's coming. Bloop. Wow, it's a boy. Let's go out to the garden, you know. and get, Like that's how it was meant to be. He also says, hey, now guys, that your job is to protect and to provide. Well, now it's going to be through thorns and thistles. The ground's going to be cursed. In other words, it's going to be by the sweat of your brow because sin entered into the equation. And when sin entered into the equation, enter tragedy, enter sickness, enter death, enter pain. In fact, this is what Jesus said himself in John 16, He said, in this world, you will have what? You will have trouble. He didn't say in this world, you'll never have a headache. He didn't say you'll never, you know, experience someone flipping you off in the parking lot, hopefully not at church. He didn't say you'll never, you know, wake up on prom, you know, night and have a zit on your nose and you're like, oh, now great. He said in this world you'll have trouble, pain, hard times, tragedy, things you don't like, things you don't understand, things you can't comprehend. But what does he say? And I don't know why I say comprehend like I'm from down south. He said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so I think we need to acknowledge, first of all, that some things are simply the result of the fact that we live in a pain-filled, sinful world. That's not an excuse, by the way. Well, that's just easy to say. Okay, but it doesn't make it untrue. It's the reality of it. Why do bad things happen? Because we are victims of a fallen world. World And by the way, it's not just humanity that's been broken. When sin entered into the picture, the whole world, the Bible says, is, is now like, like groaning, waiting for the day that it's, that it's brought back and made right. It won't be up on the screen, but I'm just going to read it to you. Like I said, we're just kind of, you know, we called an audible this week. But Romans chapter 8 verse 18 says this, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. In fact, something C.S. Lewis said, he said, man, your pain pales in comparison to the joy that's on the way. He says, yeah, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation, every part of it is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are against its will. All creation was subject to God's curse, but with eager hope. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So it's not just the human experience. The entire world is waiting for the day where things will be made right and put right as God's original design. So some things are the result of a fallen world, but how many of you know some things we bring on ourselves? Why do bad things happen? Here's the second thing. Write it down. We're victims of ourselves. Hold on, Colby, you just said that it wasn't because of, of my sin in my, my life. No, what I said was is that it's not because you did something over here and there's this completely unrelated consequence to that thing. No, there are direct consequences because of our sinful behavior. And if we decide to live sinfully, if we decide to live apart from God and not you know, live uh, you know, according to God's ways and his, his boundaries, then we face the consequences. Are you with me? Go to a party this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, you know, and bong 12 beers and go get in your car and drive drunk 
and crash or you know hit something, get pulled over, lose your license, don't cry out to God, God, why don't I have my license? Are you with me? No, you brought it on yourself. There are direct consequences to our sinful behavior. Galatians 6, 7, it's the law of sowing and reaping. It says this, do not be deceived. How many of you know we live in a world that's deceived, that thinks we can just live however we want to? Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature does what? He reaps what? Destruction. God, why am I hurting financially? Well, because you, you have a, a payment on a truck. It's $600 a month. And you just got back from the Turks and Caicos on a vacation that you put on a credit card, right? You're living, you know, way above, you know, your, your income. You make $24,000 a year. You brought it on yourself, dummy. That's what he's saying. Why do bad things happen? It could be the fact that we live in a broken world. It could be the fact that we bring it on ourselves. But here's, here's the third thing. It could be that God wants to reveal his faithfulness through this event. Through that thing that we don't understand, through that thing we can't comprehend, through that thing that, that we can't wrap our mind around, that we would never want to experience through that painful, tragic event. And even as I say that, can I tell you something? In light of everything that's happened just in the last couple of weeks, that's difficult for me to wrap my mind around. Doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean God doesn't want to reveal himself as faithful, but it's hard for me to comprehend. It's hard for someone to comprehend who just buried their babies. And here I am, and I get to, to go to bed at night and crawl into my children's bed if I want to and kiss them on their forehead. And had that happened to me, I would be crying out to God, God, why? Where are you? Are you good? It's the same question that John the Baptist asked of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. He asked him, are you who you say that you are? If you know the story, John was, was imprisoned and he was on death row waiting to be executed on trial, get his head chopped off. And he reaches out to his cousin, his cousin, family, Jesus, by the way, and says, hey, like, here I am. I'm in real trouble here. I'm in real pain here. I'm in a situation. I'm about to die. Like, can you come rescue me? And he, he doesn't come. And John asks him this question. He says, are you who you say you are or not? Are you the, the Messiah? Are you the one who can actually save me and rescue me or not? Should I be waiting for someone else? Could you put yourself in John's shoes for a moment? Like, that's his cousin. We'd be asking the same, same question. And you know how Jesus responds? He says, here's what you need to tell John. Send word back to John. He says this, tell him of all the miracles that I'm doing. He sends him his resume of miracles. The blind see, the lame walk, sick are healed. In fact, he says, I just raised you know, my first of, of three people from the dead. And maybe at first John hears that and is like, oh, that's great. Great, that means you know, he's, 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 he's working, he's doing miracles, maybe he's going to rescue me, maybe he's just going to speak a word from where he is, but then he reads this, Matthew eleven six. 6, he says this, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. In other words, John, I'm not coming through for you. I'm not coming through for you in a temporary way. In fact, John, I don't want you to let this thing 
cause you to, to not understand how much I love you, how much I care for you. I don't want you to understand how much this tragedy that you're going through causes you to, to feel distant from me and apart from me. He said, no, I have something reserved for you in heaven. And although, right, I'm not going to reveal my faithfulness in a temporary way, I will in an eternal way. And you will see just how much I love you. Not just temporary solutions, eternal solutions. In the Old Testament, there's a man named Joseph who was betrayed by his brothers that threw him into a pit, sold him into to slavery. He ended up going to a palace and being falsely accused of something, put into prison. And God uses this, this series of events to elevate him to second in command of Egypt. But through all the years that I can't even understand. He spent, you know, with, with pain and hurting and false accusations and in prison, God was doing something good so that one day he could save a lot of people, including his own family that pushed him away, that sold him. He could save them because when his family showed up, he could say with full confidence this in Genesis 50, 20, he could say, what you meant for evil, God used for good. Listen, I know we don't see it right now, and I know it's difficult to, to comprehend and understand, but there is a purpose in the middle of our pain, and God is always present in the middle of our pain, even if we, we don't feel him in that moment, and it could be that through this tragedy, God is longing to reveal himself as faithful. Some of you, you need to get a Genesis 50-20 spirit about you. You need to get a G50-20 spirit. Are you with me? One that says, hey, I know you meant this for evil in my life. I know that that thing that you did to me and betrayed me, you meant for it to, to push me away, but you know what it did? It caused me to draw closer to God. I know the last two years, come on, COVID, you meant for evil, but it caused a deeper dependence on God. It caused me to think how to do things differently. It caused me to think outside of the box and approach life differently. It caused me to understand what is actually valuable in my life. It caused me to change how, how I lead. It caused me to change how I value things, what you meant for evil, God used for good. And can I remind somebody that it took a death in order for there to be a resurrection? And the only reason you and I have salvation is because someone suffered on our behalf. God longs to show himself faithful in our life. Why do bad things happen? It could be because we live in a sin-stained world. It could be. It could be because we bring it on ourselves. It could be that God wants to reveal himself. I know that's a lot of could-be's, but here's what I can say without hesitation. What is it definitely? Write this down. God is doing something in you in this. This is how we grow. This is how we learn. This is how we persevere. Whenever we experience heartbreak in our life, God is doing something in us. In fact, in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to worship through this, but there's this verse, and let's just call it what it is. It's a really annoying verse in James chapter 1. It says this, but again, just because something's annoying doesn't mean it's not true through and through. He says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials. It doesn't say you have to be happy about it. Because joy is different than happiness. Happiness is based on our circumstance. Joy is something that the Holy Spirit of God manifests in your life, even in the middle of tremendous pain. In fact, we get lots of, 
of different fruit of the Spirit, joy and peace and patience and kindness. He says, consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face many trials, hard times, things that we don't understand, things that cause us to ask God why. Why do bad things happen? Why is there suffering? Consider it joy because you know what the testing of your faith does? It does something inside of you. He says it develops perseverance. He goes on to say, perseverance must finish its work inside of you to make you complete, not lacking anything, to make you mature and complete. I can guarantee you, like all these other things, it could be, it could be, and it's really difficult to answer. I, I believe with my whole heart, we live in a sinful world that's broken. I believe in my, my, my whole heart we bring some things upon ourselves, but I do also believe that God wants to show himself faithful, that he doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste a tragedy in our life, but I know without a shadow of doubt, no matter what it is that we face, he is always doing something in you because I, I don't care if you walk through these doors today as a follower of Jesus or not. It doesn't matter if you're close to God or, or, or not. Like we all understand that when tragedies happen in our life, we can look back over those and say, you know what, I would not have chosen that. And I would never wanna go through that again. But God used it, he used it. I'm different because of it. I'm marked because of it. I love my family more because of it. I, I love, I understand what it has value in my life now because of it. Some of you could say it was because of a tragedy or an experience that brought you to the lowest place in your life to ultimately drive you to your knees to where you once and for all cried out to God in desperation that I need you. God will always use He'll use it, he'll use it. You might never choose it, but he'll always use it. And on Wednesday, I just knew God wanted us to have a different message this week because he was doing something inside of me. And, and honestly, I didn't want to because I didn't want to stand up here and say that um, God is good. I didn't want to. But what I realized is, was that I can say it now more than ever. That God is good through and through. And just because I have doubts does not disqualify my faith. Just because I have doubts and don't understand things doesn't, doesn't mean that God's not, not good. In fact, here's what I've learned. The more pain that I endure in life, the more my faith has been built on that pain because that's what faith is. Are you with me? It's the evidence of things hoped for, right? Things that, that we can't even see. And so we're just hoping for better. And here's the deal. You do life with God long enough in, in the church and you become empowered by his word, you will be able to declare no matter what you go through that God is good through and through, that God is in control always. And I've discovered faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is a means for me to push through that doubt. There's a very famous Psalm, Psalm 23. I'll end with this, and then we're gonna worship. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though I walk through, walk through, 
So I'm going to say walk through. I'm walk through. I'm not staying there. I'm walking through. I'm walking through. The valley of sh- the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are, are with me. Some of you wouldn't be able to say I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, but you might be able to say I'm in the valley of the shadow of doubt. And whenever you get stuck in a valley, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to, to shake your fist at God and to say, God, why? And why is the suffering? And why do bad things happen? But what's not okay is for your, your doubt to be your dead end. You walk through. You walk through. You keep showing up. You keep coming back. You keep saying, God, why? You keep having those questions. Are you with me? Don't let that be where you stop. It's okay to have doubts. doesn't disqualify you from your faith. Let's stand up. And let's turn our hearts towards God and let's worship through this. God, I pray that right now, if there are those people in this room that have doubts, God, that right now, scales are falling off their eyes and they're understanding, God, that they have a desperate need for you, that this might be the lowest moment of their life, but they want to cry out, God, to you. This is actually drawing people to you because it doesn't have to lead us away. It can actually draw us closer and closer to you, God, because we understand this is broken. It's broken. We understand we're broken. We understand that sin separates us from you, God, and that the only answer we have is to have a changed heart. And the only way we can have a changed heart is to be made new. And we are made new when we are born again through Christ Jesus. And so I pray right now for those in this room that you've been drawing to your side. They would understand who you are, God, understand what you want to do in and through their life, understand that doubts don't disqualify them. But thank you, God, for having them search and ask the questions. And I pray that right now their eyes would be open to the only way would be through Jesus and surrendering their life. And if that's you in this room or that's you watching online and you know that God's brought you to this moment to maybe once and for all put your faith and your hope not just for for eternity one day, but for a a, a purpose and for something greater in your life today. To confess Jesus as Lord, to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible tells us you'll be saved, you'll be rescued, you can be made brand new. And it doesn't mean things are gonna go great. It doesn't mean there won't be storms, but it does mean that you'll have an anchor in those storms. And it doesn't mean you won't be shaken in those storms, but it does mean that you won't be drowned because your ultimate hope is in the Savior, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And if that's you and you want to confess your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus right now, either for the first time or for the first time in a long time, and you're coming home to God, wherever you are in this room, would you right now just shoot your hand up high? No one's looking around. Just throw it up high. Say, this is me. This is me. I need hope for salvation in Christ. Yeah, yeah, hold it up, hold it up. I wanna see everyone, yeah, yeah. Awesome, God bless you all, God bless you all. So many hands across this room. We're believing online as well. Well, the Bible gives us an indication how to begin this relationship with God through prayer. So we communicate. So I wanna lead you in a prayer that does that. You can pray this with me. In fact, our whole church will pray it out loud with you. Say something like this, Jesus, today, I put my hope in you. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I'm broken 
And I know that you can make me whole. So I confess you as Lord and as Savior. In Jesus' name. And God, I pray right now that you would give us strength. I pray right now for courage. God, I pray that we would be fully aware that you said in this world we would have have trouble, but that we are to take heart, to take heart. That we're to walk through that valley, we're to keep walking through that valley, just putting one step in front of the other. And so as we worship you right now, God, that's what we are are doing. It's strengthening, strengthening us inside, God, giving us courage, maybe not answering questions, but it's pointing to something greater. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.